0: I'm bringing all of the women in my life into the roles that I do. I recognize so many aspects of every character. I wouldn't be here without my mum being a very loud, opinionated, powerful woman. We take inspiration from life and I have
1: put them into my performances. You're listening to Skip Intro with me, Krista Smith. Take a look at Florence Pugh's IMDb page, and you'll quickly understand why I'm fascinated by her. There are not many actors who can excel across numerous genres, and over the past eight years, Florence has proven that she's not only capable, but she's the best of the best. Florence first caught my attention back in 2016 with her leading role in William Oldroy's Lady Macbeth. And I can still remember the reaction I had seeing her on screen. She was so young and so powerful, not to mention it was very clear at the end of that two hours that this was such a significant talent, as we would say in Hollywood, a new discovery. Since then, Florence has been fearless in the films that she's chosen. She's tackled roles in films like *Midsummer*, Little Women, for which she was nominated for Best Supporting Actress and of course, MCU's Black Widow. However, what truly impresses me about Florence is her ability to completely disappear into a character, while still at the same time, burning with an undeniable star power. And that has become increasingly rare in our shifting industry. In addition to her work on screen, Florence has become a bit of a fashion icon, as well as a beloved figure on social media. Her cooking with flow videos got me and scores of others through the worst parts of the pandemic, Although she's had to deal with the challenges of constantly being in the public eye, she has navigated it all so beautifully with strength, grace and a whip smart sense of humor. We've spoken numerous times throughout the years, but it felt particularly special to sit down with her last month at the London Film Festival after years of only seeing her virtually. We're here to talk about her stunning new film, The Wonder, which is directed by Sebastian Lelio and based on Emma Donahue's book by the same name. Welcome Florence Pugh. It is so good to see you. Uh, I always am happy when I, one, get to see you on screen because no matter what you're doing, I always follow you on the journey, whether it's a horror movie, <clears throat> whether it's comedy, whether, whatever it is, whether it's a Marvel movie, but I absolutely loved The Wonder. I loved watching you in this film. Just, you you took me there and what's interesting to me about my own experience in this film is that it is of it it is. It's of a certain time, but yeah. it felt so modern. Yeah. Um, and certainly in America, what we're dealing with and the world over mm. uh, with women and women's rights, I was like, oh, this is so prescient. So I just loved it, but congratulations so on much. that. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we're going to talk a little bit more about it. So yeah. for you, when you're looking at what you want to spend your time with, right, yeah. in the next, like, six months working on a film, yeah. what spoke to you about this film? I...
0: I think something that um, I'm clearly drawn to, especially with uh, period women and period pieces, is um, I'm always really lit up by women of that era where everything is set against them and they're not their own person they 're sold with property they can 't own their own money, or if they do, as we learn from Amy and little Women, it goes straight to her husband. Everything is against them, and yet there are these like sparks there are these women, clearly there would have been women there that were doing the same thing that we 're doing now, but in their own box, I suppose there are these women that uh, are totally fascinating and uh, try and dominate whatever patch they can dominate and I think especially with this role. I've done 1860s before. I understand what that life was for a woman. Then it it was there was nothing in their favour, and I particularly found uh, Lib interesting because she's a Nightingale nurse, and Nightingale nurses during that time were seen as angels. They were seen as the purest people, and they basically were really, really well trained nurses that went to the Crimean War and they came back and they were even given respect by men, which is unbelievable. And so they were kind of like above women, they were elite, they were these incredibly respected people. And the fact that she has all of these badges, she has all of these claims and she has this CV and she goes to a village that has hired her and they don't want to hear what she has to say is like another wonderful nod to what it was like to be a woman back then. Like Mm -hmm. you can have the best, uh, you can have the best history of jobs in your back pocket and it didn't matter. And I just thought that was uh, like a really fascinating turn. Like you have this woman who has a voice, she's been given a voice, but no one wants to listen. And it's Sebastian, so, yeah.
1: yeah. That's, I mean, well, well, let's talk about the Florence Nightingale, because that was yeah. another thing that was really interesting to me, because they were God's angels on yeah. Earth, basically, yeah. and women that had seen atrocious things in war mm-hmm. and were on the front lines, basically. Mm-hmm. But we don't really know much about Florence Nightingale herself, yeah. but what I loved about Emma Donahue and obviously it's so well-researched, yeah. right? but. You were talking the other day about the book which is a, which is basically another character in mm. this film mm. right the book that, that mm. nurse lib keeps mm. and we're always seeing it mm. she, it's like her power base her power source mm. which we then know is used quite cleverly th- throughout the film but you know what's interesting about that because of Florence Nightingale
0: she was the first person to say that things needed to be documented So, up until her, there was no documentation of what was going on or if someone went, when someone died, why they died two hours previous, did they feel faint? She was the person that thought, hey, we should write down hours of the day how someone is doing. And so, that book is an incredible feature of the Nightingale nurses the pocket, the book, the Mm -hmm. apron. Florence Nightingale was the first person to actually put medical records down, which is barmy to think about it because obviously I mean it's so obvious to think so that is like you know it kind of would seem a bit ridiculous that this woman
1: is walking around Mm -hmm. town with this book and writing things down but yeah it's her bible it's her story Mm-hmm. But I still find that even in now and present day, it's always the nurses that know the information. Mm. The nurses are always mm. the one that can tell to me. Mm. It's like it was kind of, it was, I feel like another moment was really pressing it for me. But how much research did you do when to, to find her? Um, I, uh, I think
0: especially when it's to do with a specific job or a specific thing that this person is supposed to be good at, I always dive really deep into that. When it's um, more character-based, I always just try and get um, a better grasp of the script and see what it is making me feel. But with this, straight away, even before it was going to happen and, I, and and you know, the, uh, we had agreed to do it, I instantly went into looking at the Nightingale Nurses and it was just absolutely fascinating. And um, these women had to... Uh, write letters and, and enroll themselves and then they would be like cross-checked and and their history would be checked and if there was even a whisper of the fact that they drink booze, if there was a whisper of the fact that they had a, a baby somewhere that you know would need their attention they were axed off the list and these boatloads would take soldiers and nurses and so these women that went over and these women that were able to be called Nightingale nurses were like The purest of pure. That's why it's interesting in the film that she allows, you know, Mr. Mm Byrne to offer her a drink. Mm -hmm. And I remember on the day when we shot that, I was like, Sebastian, she wouldn't drink that. And he goes, why not? And I go, because she just, you just wouldn't, like, nurses were stripped of their title if someone had seen them in the pub or something like that. And he said, well, isn't that an interesting power dynamic? And I was like, yeah, that is. But she's giving this journalist basically the biggest
1: power and it's a tr- it's that wonderful moment of trust I suppose mm-hmm. mm, so good alright let's talk about Sebastian yeah. <laughs> uh, Lelio because he's both of you actually it's in- so interesting I'm dying to know about your collaboration because mm. he's done incredible film His mm. obviously his body of work speaks for itself but he delves into the psychology of women yeah. in a way that kind of no other director has. Yeah. His whole career has basically been focused on mm. the female condition in, in various stages and, and, and characters. So what was that like for the two of you to work together and kind of collaborate? Because he does say it's a collaboration. I love the way he speaks about yeah. a film. Well, he also is, um, we all know he's unbelievably talented. He,
0: he hires the right people, and then there is, there is no leaf left Uh, Like, he turns over everything. He tries to find reason within everything. He'll change the reason, he'll look at it from a different direction. There is nothing that he hasn't thought about or tried to think about. And sometimes it'll be the most random time of the day where he'll come up to you and he goes... What do you think about this line? And so uh, his brain is constantly whirring and he's constantly asking for people's opinion on whatever he has to bring to the table. So that's always wonderful when a director is trying to include you and wants your opinion as well. And it won't even necessarily be over, you know, your moment. It could actually just be over something else and he wants to come and include you, which it's always, it feels really wonderful when someone is trying to bring you in like that. And especially with everything that Lib is going through, um, he was so dedicated to her story and her pain and her pain of losing a baby, and all of those scenes where she's high as a kite, mm. he was so dedicated about about making sure that the attention was on the booties and was on like her her obsession and her and her mm-hmm. love with the booties. I, that is like that that someone is. It, I mean, it would make you, it always make, when someone is so dedicated to those things, you, you always go, wow, like, you, you're, you're caring that much about something. Um, something that, you, that, that, like, you could have clearly overlooked or we could have overlooked or we could have made that high moment about something else. And it just, it makes you realise that
1: um, you're safe, really safe. Well, Lib is so practical until she's not, which yeah. is what I love. It's like yeah. the the they just you just keep peeling away li- layers to this character. And in the film, you know, mm. science versus religion, mm. truth versus fanaticism. It's just like all of these themes that are going on. And the young woman who plays Anna, yeah. Keela, she's so fantastic. Yeah. And also, it's another relationship. It's like another love story within yeah. a whole within a thriller too. Yeah. She's fantastic.
0: I I'm I'm also like when I read the script, I mean obviously the the it's the whole film is the relationship between them. But what's interesting about their relationship is it's not it's not maternal. It's not like she's got a child and this child now has a mum. It's it's like it's closer than that. It's they are they are each other's equals and it's 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 Anna who breaks down Libs' barriers and it's lib that frees anna it's like there's this um there's this mutual love and respect for each other you know it's it's only at the end when it becomes a maternal instinct i've got to save this child but it's the only spot before lib meets will where she's where she's actually comfortable she's not comfortable in this place they don't want her there and she hears this and she knows this And through Anna is where she has a mate, she has a friend, she has a job to do, obviously. But um, I think she's very interested in her. I think she's confused as to why she's been kind of hooked, as Mm Will says.
1: This book, movie, it's about the fasting girls. This is based on a real thing that was happening uh, at that time in 1861, right? So. What I thought was so fascinating about what Sebastian did was there was so much focus when you were eating. Mm. It was aggressive. It was like, she's eating mm. because someone isn't eating. Mm. What was in the <laughs> gruel? What were you eating? Because you had to do so much I, eating. I actually have something
0: funny to tell you. So the food <laughs> was cooked by an amazing like a, a team of chefs, and they. it was all vegan. It was all vegan. So all of that meat that I was yeah. chewing was bits of jackfruit wrapped in a bit of gut, like even on the bits of gristle, you didn't see it, but there was a, there was a take where I had to spit out the gristle. And I'm supposed to be chewing on this bit of fat that I can't, this gristle that I can't break down. And they managed to make this, this bit of like gum that I don't know what it was, but not like chewing gum, Mm -hmm. but it was like gum wrapped around dough to make it look like gristle. It was unbelievable. So I had like really, really tasty food. And Sebastian needed the food to look awful, so they had to put grey. They needed the food to look in no way nourishing. And so all the food was grey, and all of the food had, like, blue ink dye and black ink ink dye in it. And it looked absolutely revolting, except it was really, really tasty. And at the end of the day, they'd have so much of it that I would ask for them to package it up and give it to me. So I go
1: home. <laughs> No one will believe that once they see the movie that you actually ate. I took it <laughs> yeah. home. You willfully ate more of it. I that took poop. it
0: home, and I had friends come to stay with me, and they looked in the fridge, and they said, "What is like?" Why have you got grey food in your fridge? I had to put some like vegetables in it to to give it a bit of colour.
1: But I did take it home; it was tasty. I know. I
0: don't like waste. (laughs)
1: Yeah, 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 I know. I was thinking about when I said this to you earlier. I watched our first interview when you was for Lady Macbeth. Another brilliant film, by the way, listeners. If you have not watched Lady Macbeth, find it, and it's not Shakespeare's Lady Macbeth, no, but equally brilliant. And Ari Wegner was a cinematographer on that film. And Alice Birch. And Alice, right? And now you've gone and worked with her again, and so much has changed in your life. Uh, And I was thinking about that too, from being Oscar-nominated for Little Women, working with Greta, that whole cast, like your career, Marvel, all of it. Like how much, how different is is Florence from Lady Macbeth to Florence sitting here with me? Not
0: different at all. Not different at all. I mean, I um, I know everybody probably says they haven't changed, but my life is so... um, I love working and I love being busy and I love being around creative people. I love running away with the circus and then when I need to rest, I go back home and the first place I go is I go and stay with my parents and I go and stay in you know with all of my siblings and i I have them take the piss out of me for mm-hmm. two days and then it's like I'm back into you know being home and then I go off again so i've I've had like a pretty as much as my life and my life has changed, I, my career has changed. It's a different beast now. I'm so grateful to be here, but I, all of this life and all of the things that I have to do, has been a journey for my family as well. Mm-hmm. And I bring them to every single premiere. Like last night, everybody was there. Granny Pat was there. That part is so important to me. It is so important, and so I feel like as much as everything else is changing, I don't. I'm not like a amazingly, it hasn't, it hasn't affected anything. I still have the same core values and I still love my family too much. <laughs> and, um, and I think that's what makes it fun is bringing them along on the journey as well. It makes it so fun to share it.
1: Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it would be so lonely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of lonely, you got me through COVID with cooking with <laughs> flow. As you know, I was always DMing like yeah. that chicken. Oh my god, I could I could taste it in the <laughs> And the was, Martinis. You'd so, mess with me on the martinis. <laughs> I know. But the cooking with flow should ha- could have its own channel, honestly. I want that to happen. Good. Can we make it happen? Can we manifest that? I originally did it because
0: I was in L.A. um, when we were in lockdown and when the pandemic happened. um, And I obviously couldn't go back to England and I had to stay put. And also I had a a breathing condition, which made it 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 even scarier to, to leave. So my dad, my family were obviously missing me. It was a scary time. I was on the other side mm-hmm. of the world. Everybody was home. And I did... I, I originally did the cooking videos for my dad. My dad would ask me, he'd say, can you do more cooking videos, please, so that they could, like, watch me in the kitchen. And and so I did them for my dad, and I did the dancing for my mum, because it made my mum happy. Mm-hmm. And then just this this thing happened where people were saying, for the same reasons that my dad loved it, that it was like having me in the kitchen just chatting. Which is like so. I mean, it's so simple, but it, I I get I love cooking and I love mm-hmm. talking my way through things anyway. But yeah, I'd love to do it.
1: Yeah, the chicken is that your like? What's your best dish?
0: I'm really good. So my dad's kept cooking and my mum's cooking. My mum's really good at like one pot dishes. She's really good at chicken soup, uh, ch- like anything that's in one pot that she has to put on the on the burner for hours. And my dad is that annoying person that can look in the fridge and make anything from Mm. three ingredients and maybe one of them is mouldy. Like, he just makes it work. And I think I have, like, a mixture of both and I think I'm really good at, like, a good beef stew that has mm. been going and going and going and going.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I was amazed at is the discipline of um, all the processes for oh, that, yeah. especially like the potatoes going in, yeah. then the onions have to go in, yeah. then the chicken. Yeah. It's like, oh my god, we're keep going. Good. Yeah, I'm done. I'm happening. just gonna come over. <laughs> I don't think I can cook it. Like, I thought it was like had confidence, but I was like, no, I can't. That's yeah. from my dad, though. Like, uh, and actually, a lot of
0: people have asked me about that, and they're like, how do you know the timings? And I go, well and i was realizing i i've watched my dad for so much of my life just like owning the kitchen, no one's allowed to go in because it's very manic, you don't want to go in the kitchen you can silently peel potatoes or you get the fuck out, Mm -hmm. like you don't want to be there and um, he's like just one of those miraculous people that just everything is flying, pots are going and he's got it and nothing is out of place, nothing is the timing is never wrong I think I just obviously watched how he does that Mm
1: -hmm. Do you clean as you go or is it someone else's dishes at
0: the end? So my my dad's number one saying is, tidy as you go. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily clean as you go, but tidy as you go. So, like, put things away. Put your herbs back in. Put your lime in the fridge. And then the pots are always at the end and for mm-hmm. someone else. Someone, I mean, I mean t- you can't clean
1: and cook. Yes. That's ridiculous. <laughs> that is a That's fair trade, fair. right? I know, for me. I'm always like, oh, the dishes. I can't do the dishes. You grew up in, obviously, a very close-knit family, a very dramatic family, yeah, which yeah. I love. Yeah, um, And You, you got were, to witness that last night. I know. So... <laughs> so and everyone kind of looks to say, you can all tell yeah. that you're coming. Yeah. You know, there's a strong genetic through line, um, even down to the energy of Granny Pat, which yeah. I love, right? But do you remember the moment, like your first film that you saw and, or was it just like fighting for that attention or what was that moment for you as, as a young person? Knowing that, that I like, wanted to do it. Yeah, that you were like, I'm going to do acting, this is for me. Um, it wasn't like a thought. I always knew.
0: And I know that sounds so weird, but I think we just, we grew up in a household where creativity was, it was everywhere, was oozing out of the walls we have all these family videos when everybody used to (laughs) video stuff and there's always music playing amazing quirky music playing always and we're always dancing and we're always trying to show my mum something that we made like even as a tiny tot you can see these videos where there's just it's just so loud and there's life constantly being pumped into all these little kids running around and I think my mum was a performer she was a dancer when she was uh, younger, and then a dance teacher. And I think she had a standard. She knew, like, I remember from being a really, really, like, probably when I was like six or seven, I was playing Mary, and the, my, that was my first play, mm-hmm. it was Mary. And I was a northerner. Classic. And I came on, and I was like, oh, me back. Like, <laughs> that was my version of Mary with a big bump. And I was t- moaning about my swollen knees and my ankles. And- You're six. Yeah. And um- <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so that was that. But I remember my mum always making a point of, like, if you've been given this role, it is you and your duty to learn your lines and you have to make sure that what you put on that stage is worth watching. And that was just the standard. Like, whether you are tree number four, whether you are Mary, like, you are, you are, have, you've been given a role, you have a duty... Do it, otherwise don't do it. And so I think we always knew like, it's, you know, it's fun, it's amazing, but like, take it seriously. Not that she was pushing us in that direction, but I think she had a standard for performing and for entertaining. It's actually a really sweet story. I remember when I was seven, I went to go and watch my sister, my older sister, he met last night. She was playing Titania. Um, and she was it was in her, like, last-year play, and we went to go and watch her. And I remember looking up, so I must have been tiny, I was looking at my mum, and my mum was, like, her nails were gripping my hand as Bella came out, and Bella had all these flowers on, and Bella started saying her lines, and my mum was peering over the two, uh, like, rows in front, and she was mouthing all the lines as Bella was saying them. Mm -hmm. And I remember when Bella walked off, my mum, like gripped my hand and she looked at me and then looked back and she goes now that is how you do a performance and I remember from such a like from that moment that was what she was like she that was the standard you Mm -hmm. do it you do it right you impress people and then you go Mm -hmm. and so
1: I think from a young age I've always known that I wanted to do it but I wanted to do it right Mm-hmm. and you're you're so yourself in it which I think is Americans love you you know I love you so I'm an easy get uh, you know that's already from from jump but it is this it is a realness that you bring and we feel like we are getting a, a piece of, of you the piece mm-hmm. that you're allowing us to get in your films and I think that even when you do as we talked about character period pieces mm-hmm. horror piece whatever it is whatever genre you're mm-hmm. in it feels modern and it's speaking to us which is such yeah. a you know it's, it's a Impossible to kind of explain why, and some people have, and some people don't. But you, you really have it, and it's interesting. I'm wondering if it probably was that seed of no matter what it is, yeah. you're bringing a little Florence in. Of
0: course, I'm bringing all of the women in my life into the roles that I do. I recognize so many aspects of every character. I wouldn't be here without my mum being a very loud, opinionated, powerful woman, and my mum came out of my gran which who is a very loud well she's a lot quieter than us but she's a, a very strong woman and we take inspiration from life and i have put them into my performances i also you know my my idea of 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 a wonderful thing to watch on screen or even on stage is like i appreciate the real parts of watching a character of course, every character will have, li- well, if it has lines, they have lines. But for me, the, your selling point is in between, like the in between gap. You're allowing people to read your face and you can give them the opportunity to understand what you're thinking, or you don't give them that opportunity. And sometimes it's best to do both. But for me, that is where you. I love breathing life into a character. Lines are great, but you can also say the exact same thing on your face. And if you do it well enough, it's actually sometimes even more stronger than having the strongest line in a film. And I think that is, like, where we get to know these people. We get to know these characters. It's in in the Mm in-between moments. Mm -hmm. Um, And to me, that's always been really important.
1: Yeah, as a I've always said, like for me, a star is someone on screen that you're watching, and when they're not talking, you're desperate to know what they're thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's the difference yeah. for me. It's like when you know, it's so true. Yeah. Uh, you're saying the lines. It's yes, there's that, but what's happening in that little moment yeah. is really giving you the emotion yeah. to the film. Yeah. All yeah. right, social media, you're amazing, <laughs> and I want it for the record. You do your own social media, correct? Right? Yeah, 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 I love it. It's definitely. <laughs> I just don't know how you can do all the, the, the typing and the stuff because my stuff is always riddled with, yeah, with I, errors and whatnot. I, but. I always do it. I always, for
0: some stupid reason, always do it on the post and then I can't see and I'm going through like, eh. Mm-hmm. Just do it in your notes, but I never do that. Um, I do, I run my own uh, Instagram. I think... When Little Women happened, I had a, a whole wave of like new fans and, and new people that came into my life, and um, they hadn't been privy to who I was and what my Instagram was, and I had a bit of like a just a funny footing time where I was showing myself that I had been showing everybody years before, and. People weren't really get like they didn't get why I was doing stupid dances or why I had spot stickers on like they mm-hmm. didn't get it, and I had a bit of a like, oh God, is that maybe this isn't maybe maybe that was done and now I can actually put Instagram to bed, and I just think that um, the thing that I've always loved about it is you can say your mind. Um, the thing that I've always hated about it is you also have to read what other people people's minds are. Um, but i think it's really important i think like my sister my younger sister grew up with that very much being a part of her life i managed to just miss instagram mm. when it i mean it didn't really ma- i have i've had that ca- that account since i was 17 years old and my first post is like a finding nemo bit like it just i didn't know what it was like it it yeah. was just like we put pictures up Um, So I've had it for a really, really long time. Everybody's been able to see me age on it. Everybody's been able to see, like, what my interests were on it. It's a a big, (laughs) long (laughs) chapter. (laughs) And I just think that, like, for me, watching my younger sister having to deal with the negative side of social media made me want to keep it open even longer, just, like, in some way showing a bit of silliness and truth. Like, there's so much... Um, face tune and and body alterations and and also Instagram is very beautiful, like people want to post beautiful, it's the Mm -hmm. same as everything, you're posting a beautiful part of your life, it's also that important to just be a bit of a Goose right. then.
1: <laughs> I don't know if ever, anybody remembers this But you were Flossie flossy
0: You know what's really yeah. funny about that So I want, I wanted to be a singer-songwriter when I was younger I, My mum would record the guitar lessons Because otherwise I wouldn't practice So she'd record the guitar lessons So that I could then follow the guitar lessons and practice And we would always do these amazing, like, cool covers. My guitar teacher was amazing. He would pick out the coolest song, Dusty Springfield, Mm -hmm. Elvis Presley, and I'd, like, get into the whole mode. My hand wouldn't fit around the neck of the guitar and I'd be playing that Like, it was was a stretch. It was tiny. And I don't think my mum entirely... Same thing, I don't think, like, YouTube was a... I mean, it was a thing, but I don't think she ever thought that it was going to be a thing. So she put them up there and... I started getting, like, some traction (laughs) when I was, like, in my teens. And it was one of those funny things of mum just posting them up, thinking that it's not really going to go, and, like, it's just, you know, it's up on this thing called YouTube. And it ended up actually being, I had, like, a bit of a
1: following (laughs) when I was, like, 14. And it's there forever. And it's there forever. (laughs) So everyone can bring it back up. When you were little and your expectations of what, like, Hollywood is or what this kind of life would be, how does it measure up to where you are now? You know what,
0: I didn't think, I didn't think I'd have this much control, and I think coming into it and hopefully knowing where I was going to go, I kind of made a bigger statement within myself, because I thought I wasn't going to have that much control, to try and take lots of control and as a result it means that I'm completely conscious and completely aware of what's going on and it feels really wonderful to be in charge of my career and be in charge of what it is that I want to say and be in charge of what it is that I have opinions over and I didn't think I was going to be able to do that I didn't think that there was going to be space or room for that I'm really grateful that I have a fantastic team around me that have been with me since I was 19, mm-hmm. 18, yeah, 18, 19. And, um, and they've allowed me to be what I need to be. And that is like, that's always the scary part. You can think what you want to think and, and want to have the career that you want to have. But if you don't have the people allowing you to do that around you, then it then it's just not possible. So to have support system at home, support system in my team, I'm here because of all of that.
1: Mm-hmm. It is. I feel like you're the first generation. I mean, Hollywood is, I'm so, like I said, I'm happy that I'm still alive and being able to witness it, but mm-hmm. it's never been a really delightful story for mm-hmm. women, no right. matter what angle you look yeah. at it. But I really feel like your generation, and, yeah. I, and I feel like you are the leader in that, are really taking control in mm-hmm. a way that is undeniable. Undeniable And in a kind of direct way. Not so much, not to bring it back to the movie, because Lib <laughs> does take control, but she's got to use the man. Yeah. You know, she has to figure out within her yeah. limited conference how that's going to do it. But in real life, Florence, it feels like you are in control. And as as someone witnessing that, it's exhilarating. Thank you. That's really a really cool thing to say. I remember when um, everything happened and, and
0: amazingly broke down with uh, Time's Up and Me Too, and I remember I was it was as things were popping off with Lady Macbeth, and I was going to all of these events, and people kept on asking me how do you, what do you think about, what do you think the industry needs to do? And I remember answering these questions because it's obviously what we all want. But I remember thinking, I don't, I haven't, I've I've only been here for a second, and I I've heard of these stories, not just with me too, but I've heard of the industry being corrupt and, and, and wrong and wronged people. But I've, I haven't have been here long enough to understand that it's a different story for women. And so I remember, you know, listening to all these people talk and so passionately and, and be so angry and, and passionate about, you know, all of their experiences. And, and me thinking, oh, God, yeah, this is the breakdown. And so I really feel like we've been able to now thrive, and we've now been able to have a platform and a space, and a space to think differently because of of everything that happened five years ago, four years ago. We were kind of given this clean platform, which it's a great thing that many young women in the industry had to re- change how they thought of it at the moment when it was shut down. And I think because of that, you then have now so many young actresses that know what is right, know what is wrong, know when to stand up for themselves. Whereas before it was murky, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: but now there's like, there's no, it's, it's completely transparent. Like people know, and that's a really cool power to be given by, you know, Mm -hmm. people that went through that.
1: Mm-hmm. I love it on film. I love it in the fashion. All the young women out there are, like expressing themselves in it with with the high fashion that's yeah. happening as well as on film as on social media. Yeah. I'm here for it. Yeah. All right. So you have the day to yourself. Where are we going? What are we doing? Okay. What time is it though? You can decide. Okay.
0: I reckon we meet after lunch so that we can go and have like a martini somewhere. Okay. Okay. But let's do that at the end of the day. I love a good roam around the city. I love having a walk. I love discovering a little boutique shop where you end up spending far too much money on something that's ridiculous. Like, I don't even know. Something nonsensical. Um, I think we're going to go to a park. I think we're going to go to M&S and go get a sandwich because I love those sandwiches.
1: What's the sandwich for you?
0: M&S is Marks and Spencers. Marks and Spencers. I think... The, the Christmas sandwiches are quite good, which they're going to come around the corner in a bit. Like the turkey and the cranberry and the stuffing. it's okay. a really good Christmas sandwich.
1: Explain it. onion and cheese. Are you an onion and cheese Oh, person? oh cheese and pickle. Branston yeah. pickle. Okay. But my
0: dad makes a really good Branston okay. pickle sandwich. First of all, good sourdough, butter, cheddar cheese, crumbly, Branston pickle. It's that wonderful, like, sweet and sour thing. It's the creamy with the harsh mm. sour relish. And then maybe... Sorry, that was a pause on the sandwich. Yep. And then maybe we maybe we go to the theatre or something. I like going to the theatre. Or maybe we go and go to, like, a nice fishy restaurant and go have, like, a little sat-down moment next to a bar and have mm. some little tapas. And then we go for a martini.
1: mm I'm in. Yeah.
0: And <laughs> that in. day's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> that day's not happening yet, but maybe that day will happen. And then happen. I'll call Granny Pat and Granny Pat will come.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well she'll will she drink a martini? Mm, yeah. Gin probably, right? I really like a really opened her world to cocktails. Okay, that's good. Yeah. All right. so where are you going after all of this? you have your whole, like, next two years mapped out with with films?
0: You know what? Um, I do, but in a wonderful way. I joined the MCU a few years ago, and those films and that life and that family is so big, and they are making their their world bigger, and they're inviting more people to the gang, and what that means is, is they just need to plan in advance. So I've always been able to like, been able to plot and map things out and um, it got released uh, this year that I'm I'm joining them again for Thunderbolts which is amazing and so um, I'm kind of just now I've finished June I finished June last week which was just such an amazing experience and Dinny is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. I've never had so many crew members come up to me and tell me how amazing it was to work with how amazing it is to work mm. with him. Like that was truly beautiful. Every single person would come up to me and just tell me what how, how amazing it is to be with him again. Which is like rare. I love that
1: movie so I can't wait yeah, to I see it. Yeah, I love them. that movie.
0: I love I I love I loved being in the second one. Wrapped that last week and now I'm just going to breathe and and take it all in. Um, Because early next year, I've got another movie that I made coming out that I actually helped create and produce Mm. with my ex-partner, Zach, which I'm so, so excited about and we're so excited about. He wrote it, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, Mm -hmm. and it was a real love project. And um, I think it kind of wraps up and talks about pain and loss in a really important way that I think we're all still Mm -hmm. trying to struggle to deal with since covid and that comes out next year. So I'm just, I'm just breathing and not racing because mm-hmm. I think this journey is going to continue. And I think, as my
1: dad says, it's important to smell the roses. It is. Yeah. Well, it leads to my next question, which is I'm asking everybody uh, this season on the podcast, I always have one question. And it's kind of what I'm thinking about, too. So <laughs> I've gone through fear, anxiety, ambition, and now I'm in gratitude. Yeah. So it's the small wins. Yeah you know, there's so much happening in the world, in my own life. Like, so for you, what's been a small win? There's so much happening in the world right now. There's
0: so much. And I really also appreciate the, like, it's so easy to go down those wormholes of just feeling like everything's a lot, because everything is a lot. And I don't think we've had a breather since the beginning of the pandemic. I think Mm -hmm. there's been one thing after another. And the world is obviously very sore right now. But, Making sure that you acknowledge those wonderful, beautiful moments is so key. Last night was a wonderful, beautiful moment. having my family be with me and and this is a wild ride for them as well, and we don't really talk about it in my family like that's we don't really talk about what I'm up to or it's just very normal and um so to have moments like that where everybody can just go oh my god and everybody can dance on the dance floor until whatever time and kick your heels off that those are my wins that's family time is a real real win and then cooking a good dinner is also a really good win. <laughs> oh, i'm hey here to you. for you florence it's oh, great babe, to see you so lovely to chat to you <laughs> i know and, <laughs> and now i have really to let really. you go but oh, yes we'll I know. do that day
1: though let's go do that I day. i know i really want to do that day I'd i want love to, why, to I do that, that. This. how long are you here for um, I'm here until the end, until like the 17th, because we've got so Well, much we there. can go do that martini mm-hmm. then. Yeah. My birthday's on the 13th. I want a martini. Okay, but well done. still going to be here? On I'm it. looking at everybody. Yeah. On it. will be there. Uh, and I love The Wonder. Come on, this I film is know, so good. I know, It's shot so beautifully. I know. The clothes, the blues. The, the blue, the muddy skirts. The women, all the different perspectives of the women. Yeah. The mother, that's yeah. so yeah. rigid and torch because the environment yeah. is made her so all of the, the women and girl the oh
0: everybody unbelievably like everybody has their own face as well which yeah. is something that i really appreciate when watching movies when everybody has a face yeah you know like yeah. something that you have to spend the whole film looking at mm-hmm. this and this mm-hmm. like I, I love faces and and sebastian cast a really amazing screen of faces that you just mm-hmm. want to watch yeah. You know yeah. when people yeah, yeah. have like life
1: and creatures. Yeah, yeah. 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 Karen Hines even that like moment for oh him. Oh my god, yeah. yeah He's great. Yeah. Was awesome. oh. I'll see you on your birthday. All right. <laughs> see you later. The Wonder is streaming now on Netflix. Thanks so much for joining me. I'm Krista Smith, your host and creator of the show. Skip Intro is produced and edited by Isabel Arricchio and engineered by Dave Corwin. Special thanks to our coordinator, Alyssa Hillman. Please subscribe, rate, and review Skip Intro wherever you've been listening. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Krista Smith. If you enjoy the podcast, please go to netflixq.com for more. That's Netflix, Q-U-E-U-E.com.